For over 32 years, D1 Basketball has offered elite basketball camps and top-tier player development programs. Team camps, individual skills camps, shooting camps, we improve performance, period. Few Indiana basketball camps impact performance like D1 Basketball. Since 1989, annual enrollment in D1 Basketball has grown from 80 to 3,500 players, making it one of the largest independent basketball organizations in the Midwest. The mission of D1 Basketball is to help coaches and players maximize their performance. D1 Basketball Facts D1 Basketball Camps are exclusively endorsed by the Indiana Basketball Coaches Association. D1 Team Camps has hosted more sectional championship teams Final Four teams, and Indiana All-Stars than any other camp, shootout, or summer tournament. D1 Team Camps provide the best chance for a school's coach to work with all their teams against top-flight competition from throughout the Midwest. Checking it from the cheap seats is brought to you by Shootaway, offering products like 12K Series guns proven by time and again by the nation's top school and college coaches slash programs. For special pricing discounts, contact Bruce Helt at 317-767-5543 or go to shootaway.com. Well, folks, we are back. We are back on the Checking It from the Cheap Seats podcast after a layoff for the basketball season. Myself. And the Bari Media Class are pleased to bring you Clint Swan today. Clint Swan, head coach at Crown Point High School in the region up by Chicago. Clint's been the head coach at Andrean High School, Frankfurt, and Crown Point. His successes in the coaching business stretch far beyond this, but he is a six-time sectional champion, three-time regional champion, and in 2000, he led the Andrean 59ers to the state championship game. We are pleased to have Coach Clint Swan with us today. Hope you enjoy this episode. Shucking It From The Cheap Seats is also brought to you by BSN Sports and Jeff Neal, their sales rep. Shop BSN Sports for a large selection of sports apparel and footwear, custom and stock Nike team uniforms, and sports equipment for your next winning season. Contact Jeff Neal at 812-204-3808 or visit bsnsports.com. Okay, hey, this morning on Checking It from the Cheap Seats, uh, we've got uh, Coach Clint Swan from Crown Point High School. And Coach, I already did your intro, and I'll tell you what, you're a guy that, that really needs no intro. You've been doing this for quite some time. You've had a lot of success in coaching, uh, but I'm just going to kind of allow – you to tell the listeners here on the podcast a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you're at going into your 17th year now as a head coach. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I've, uh, you know, I told you before we went on the air that I've had a chance to listen to a couple of your episodes and man, it's great. I, I, I really enjoy, uh, I really that. enjoy what you're doing and it's, uh, it's really cool. So well done. Um, I've got, uh, kind of a, a weird background, you know, with an upbringing where we moved around quite a bit because of my dad's job. But uh-huh. uh, uh, I, I feel like I can relate to you a little bit because I'm, I'm my, my roots are in Southern Indiana. I grew up uh, grew up in Evansville, just outside of Evansville in Newburgh. I went to Castle High School through my sophomore year, and then my junior year we transferred 
um, we transferred to, to Duggar because mm-hmm. um, of my dad's job. We kind of had to go halfway when he got a promotion that he had to accept. And uh, I actually went there for one year and played for Joe Hart and then um, transferred again my senior year uh, to Northwest Indiana and played for Rensselaer. Uh, went to Franklin College for a year after that and and then uh, played at St. Joseph's College uh, for the rest of my for the rest of my college days and uh, from there I got into coaching and was at uh, was at North Newton for one year as their JV coach and at Tri-County for one year as their JV coach and then I went to Andrean High School was a JV coach for one year there mm-hmm. and then uh became a, a, a head coach at a very young age. I was 23 years old when I got the head coaching job at Andrean High School. And, wow. and I, I, I inherited a great team, mm-hmm. a, a truly great team. We had numerous Division One players. We had, uh, we had um, uh, Lake County's all-time leading scorer and Shane Power on our team. And Lynn Metella, who played a lot of years overseas uh, professionally. And, um, and so, so that was... <laughs> That was how I got started. At the age of 23, I, I inherited this great team. I was at Andrean, or yeah, I was at Andrean for four years as a head coach, and then went on to Frankfurt High School for five years. Had five great years there. Really enjoyed my time there, and then uh, got the head coaching job at uh, Crown Point High School, and I've just uh, just finished up my 16th year here. Yeah, going into that year 17 at at one school, and you know it's it's kind of incredible. You look at you know, your career, and uh, Steve Combs, who was my principal at Vincent's, he told me this one time when I was at Wood, and he said something about me being a veteran coach, and I said, Coach, I, I really don't look at myself as being a veteran coach, and he said, there's not as many guys anymore that last uh, in this business as long as you have, and so, Coach, what do you think been maybe one or two of your secrets that have led to your longevity and your ability to stay in the game as long as you have? Well, I, I I think I've been at three schools where um, with things that, that there were two common denominators um, that I think every coach really needs to pay close attention to whenever they're trying to pick jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I was at three places where I could win. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that there is a, a rush for young coaches sometimes to – take head coaching jobs just to become a head coach. They, uh-huh. they, they, they want to become a head coach so badly and they end up settling for really tough jobs mm-hmm. and it becomes very, it becomes very difficult mm-hmm. to win and be successful and, and have a long career. I, I, I think the first thing you have to do, you, you, you have to look at these positions and say, can I win there? And if you can go there and, and and that doesn't mean you have to go there and, you know, win a regional championship or you have to go there and, and win a state championship or have division one players, just mm-hmm. are the resources there, are the resources in place for you to go there and be successful. Yes. And, and, and I, I, I had three places where I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is I, I've, I've just had really good kids. Mm-hmm. I, I, not just good, not not only good players, um, but 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 I've I, I've had really good kids from great families. Um, you know, I'm I'm still close to a lot of my former players. I'm still close to a lot of my former players' families, uh, and 
you know, I, I hear some of these nightmare stories. I mean, we, we, we all have the nightmare stories of, of oh, parents yeah. and families yeah. and so forth. But by and large, you know, I, I'm, I'm at a place right now and my previous two places also where I, I feel like I've been embraced by the community and my family has been able to embrace those kids and families that I've been fortunate enough to coach. No, that's, that's great advice. You, you know, I kind of look back on my career, and I, I would never trade my time at Springs Valley, but I maybe jumped at the opportunity to be a head coach a little bit, you know, prematurely. And, and I thought I could win there. But, you know, like you said, all young coaches, I think, think they can win no matter where they go. And um, I thought I had the world by the tail, and I found out pretty quick that the game can humble you really quickly. But that, that's great advice. So, Coach, um, there at Andrean, you know, obviously, coaching basketball is your passion. It's my passion. Uh, but it doesn't pay all the bills. And what is it that you do at, at uh, Crown Point, excuse me, that uh, you do during the day that, that pays the bills? Well, I, uh, I, 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 I'm an English major. Uh, I taught English for a long time. And then I started uh, – they, they started splitting my schedule a little bit and started giving me some credit recovery. Mm-hmm. And that went well. And a couple of years ago, our principal, Russ Marsnick, who is a former head coach himself, came up to me and said, hey, how would you like to just take over the credit recovery program? Mm-hmm. So the, for the last couple of years, that's what I've been doing. I've, okay. um, we have over five, you know, Crown Point's a very big school. We've oh, yeah. got, uh, um, we have almost 3,000 kids. So I've got uh, over 500 kids in our credit recovery program. We have at least one course. So it's a lot to manage, it's a lot to juggle, but Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something I've, I've kind of enjoyed. I kind of like, you know, having, uh, ha- having something different, a little bit of flexibility in my day and, uh, it's, it's worked out well. Yeah. So the kids there at Crown Point are mainly, you know, working on online classes. They come to you for some assistance here and there, and they're, they're basically in a room where they're taking these classes at, at their own pace. Is that how that works? Yes. And, you know, they've got, Different kids have different timelines, right? I mean, it's you know, they've got some sophomores and juniors in there who, you know, have have a little more time to get that done. But you know, right now our seniors are <laughs> the the rush is on. I've got all these credits coming through that we got to get processed because they they got to get those done before the end of the month. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, sometimes kids are not the best at time management. You and I both know that. <laughs> yeah, they're. they're uh, they are managing their time right now, though. Believe me, they're they're wanting to get this stuff done before the before the summer gets here. They got to get out. Okay, so coach, uh, tell us a little bit about your family. You know, you talked about as a kid moving around, but um, you know, tell us a little bit about the homestead and and uh, you know what you got going on there and how you balance all that with basketball and everything else that you do. Well, I I was uh, you know very fortunate to have. Uh, parents who were very supportive of me growing up and you know they 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 continue to be very supportive um you know i've coached i don't know how many games i've coached i mean it's well over 500 i'm sure but mm-hmm. my mom and dad uh who are retired now they, they've missed one game in my career oh. wow. <laughs> it was a christmas it was my first year as a head coach it was a christmas party and uh that they is, missed it. That is amazing. And yeah, how about that? Yeah. And we, we, we won. 576, Coach. I just did the quick math. So they've been to there 575 you of your games. That, that's awesome. That's right. 
That's right. And they, the, the one that they missed, we hit a shot at the buzzer to send it to overtime, and we won in overtime. And they missed it. My dad said, we're never missing another game. So, <laughs> true to his word, they've been to every game. So I, I was very lucky. They, they supported me and my brother and sister. Uh, and, uh, and then um, while I was at Andran, I uh, met my wife, um, Kim. Uh, she is a guidance counselor here at Crown Point. We, awesome. have, uh, we, have, we have a son, Elliot, who is uh, who's currently a sophomore. He plays for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been uh, – so he's, you know, had, had spent his entire schooling here in Crown Point, and uh, so we are, we are pretty locked into this community right now. That's really cool. You talk about your son. I can remember him at camp uh, in the summer with you guys at times. And, uh, you know, this summer, D1 camp's coming up. Um, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Coach Hoover and why the Bulldogs go to D1 camp every year. Well, I, I, I might be, uh, in terms of my relationship with D1 camp, I, I, I might be the longest serving one because uh, the summer, it would have been the summer of 1990, mm-hmm. I moved to Rensselaer, which is where St. Joseph's College is, which is where the camp used to be. Yes. And I started officiating the camp there. Uh-huh. And I, I, I worked as a referee at that camp for three or four years as I went through went through college mm-hmm. at St. Joe and uh, made some money in the summers there refereeing the camps. And then, as I said, I became a head coach at a very young age and, you know, immediately started taking my teams there. So uh, I've been there for a very long time. While I played at St. Joseph's College, uh, Coach Hoover was the assistant coach there. Mm-hmm. and um, Coach and I are extremely close. Yeah. Uh, he's someone that uh, – I was very close to my college coach, Dan Peters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when he passed away, we, you know, he died tragically of pancreatic cancer a few years ago, and I picked up Coach Hoover, and we drove out to Ohio for the funeral. I mean, we, he and I go – Coach Hoover and I go way back. Yes. And, uh, yes. I think we all have our Coach Hoover stories, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's – at times a caricature and, you know, somebody that, that, you know, everybody, everybody has fun with, with the coach Hoover stories, but, um, he's, uh, he's very, he's almost loyal to a fault. You're exactly Um, right. You know, you're just not going to meet a much better person than him. And, and he is extremely smart. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not just about basketball, but about life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I've, I've bounced a lot of ideas off him over the years not just about coaching, you know, strategy and so forth, but also, um, you know, coaching moves and what to look for in a job. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had players thinking about college and going to service academies. And, you know, with his military background, he's been a great sounding board for me for that kind of stuff as well. So, um, he is, uh, Coach, uh, Coach Hoover and I are extremely close, and uh, it's been um, – it's been a great working relationship for us. No, you know, I, I've always taken my kids there to camp. There were a couple summers where things just didn't work out at different places that I was at because of obligations that my, you know, some of my top kids had. So we had to go to different camps. But uh, I've been a mainstay there at D1. And a lot of the reason for that is just because, like you talked about, how loyal Coach Hoover is. And, you know, it just seems like every coach has these stories, not only the funny stories about Hoover, but the stories like, you know, when I was at Springs Valley and I got non-renewed after my fifth year, which basically is the polite way to say you're out the door, you're fired. 
and I'm looking for another job, and I can vividly remember that I had a lot of coaches reach out to me via text, call. I even had uh, Coach Dalrymple up here in North Davies that wrote a letter to the French Lick paper. But the one guy that called two to three times a week from the time that I got let go to the time that I got another job was Jerry Hoover. And they weren't five-minute, how you doing, talk to you later. They were sometimes 20, 30, 45-minute conversations. And those are the things that Coach Hoover does behind the scenes for guys that, that go to D1 camp that not very many people know about. For sure. And and it's uh, – man, Josh, that's a great story. That, 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 that That's really cool that he – and, and it, it not only speaks volumes to him, but it speaks volumes to you because, you know, if he didn't, <laughs> we both know him well enough. If, if he didn't think highly of you, whether you go to D1 camp or not, he wouldn't be reaching out to you. So Absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the type of people that he connects with, um, he, he'll do anything for you. And that uh, he, he does, he says it every year at his camp. He does love, mm-hmm. he loves coaches. Yeah. I, I was, I was one time I was, I, I was at his camp and I was, I don't even remember who the two coaches were, uh-huh. but there was an argument between the two coaches. And I mean, it was, it was uncomfortable. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I was sitting there and I, I like looked away from it. it. It was like, it was discomforting. And I don't even remember coach Hoover sat there and witnessed the whole thing. And he didn't take sides. He didn't, uh, you know, he didn't give his opinion of what they were arguing about. He just told them, you guys are coaches. What are you doing? Yeah. No, yeah. We, we've got, we, we, we've got enough people against us mm-hmm. with everything we do. Yeah. And now, and now we're going to be against each other. Mm-hmm. You guys can never be at odds like that. And boy, it was a great lesson for me. Yeah. You know, that if I'm ever, you know, we're, we're all competitive. We all want to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I ever have a disagreement with a coach or, or of, of any of any kind, I always work to patch that up. Yeah. Because I just feel like that that, that as coaches, that there is a real coaching fraternity, and you know, life's too short, and our careers are too short to to have these disagreements. And and Coach Hoover is the one who taught me that. Well, and you know, another thing that I've loved, Coach, about going going up to D one is the relationships with people like yourself. Coach David Wood, who I've gotten to know from going to camp up there, and you talk about coaching fraternity. Um, Coach Wood taught me this. Um, you know, we all want to win, and so a lot of people presume that down. Let's use down here as an example in sectional sixty-three, and obviously North Davies now is in three A uh, with the success factor, which is a dumb rule. Um, I've got Coach, uh, or I've actually got Brian Lewis coming on the show here in a couple weeks, and. Um, I'm going to, we're going to talk about that, but, but, um, in sectional 63, North Davies, Lagodi, Shoals, Orleans, Tom Bradley at Orleans. So people just presume that because we're rivals down here, that we as coaches don't like each other. I'll tell you what, if we don't win, there's nobody I root for any more than these guys in this area. And one of the reasons I do that is because of coach Wood and conversations that I've had with him and you know, he talked about losing tough games in the sectional and about how important it is that when you lose those tough games, that the very first thing you do is you make sure that you go shake that other coach's hand and those kids' hands 
You know, you lose on a buzzer beater. He said, because the way you react and the way you conduct yourself is the way that all your kids and all your fans are going to conduct themselves. And, you know, I always took a lot from that. But going back to D1, I mean, it's it's a fraternity at that camp. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I love going there. I've had young coaches ask me in the past uh, about getting into coaching, and but they don't have a lot of connections. How do you network? And, and with any profession, with any line of work that you're going to go into, you know, you, th- there's always networking involved. And, and I always tell people, if you, if you want to get into coaching, mm-hmm. high school coaching, if you want to become a high school coach and you want to make some connections, go be a referee at D1 camp. Absolutely. You, you, are, you are going to meet a lot, not only a lot of current head coaches, but there's tons of assistant coaches there, so there's going to be a ton of future head coaches. There's going to be a ton of future athletic directors. I, I met more coaches in my life uh, as, a, as, a, as a referee at D1 camp for four or five years than anything else I did. Yeah. And, you know, you, get, you, you really get to know those people. And then, my goodness, it's like a, it's, it's like a greatest hits thing here with you. I mean, I'm, you bring up Coach Wood. You know, I've always said that if I had one coach that my son could play for, I, I would pick, I would pick David Wood. I, I just, because of the type of person he is and, uh, and, and, and the type of coach he was. And when, when, when he stepped down and retired, that was, uh, that was a loss. That was, was a loss for the high school. Team. It was great man. And, and one of the things I, I love though about coach Wood is how he's decided to stay on in his role with the IBCA and the coaches association that I think is one of the best, if not the best in the country, the IBCA, uh, we are we are blessed to have Coach Wood staying on with us. Well, Coach, we're going to kind of shift gears. You you had talked about some of these players. You talked about Shane Power, and and you've coached a lot of good players. And I don't want you to single out or feel bad that maybe you leave this kid that kid out. But just talk about some of the some of the special players that you've had the fortune to coach over the last twenty some years. Well, um, you know, I've had, uh, you know, I, I, I have been really lucky. I, I, I counted them up and in my, in my 26, uh, in my 26 years, I, I think we, we, we counted, I had 37 kids go on to play college basketball. That's awesome. Uh, I think, I think 15 of them were division one players. They played at some level of division one at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that first year, like I said, I make no bones about it. I, I, I had some great players. I had, you know, Lynn Mattello went on to play. He was, Lynn Mattello was Dan Dockage's first recruit, his very first recruit as a head coach. He played for Coach Dockage okay. at Bowling Green. Okay. And then he played, I think he played 15 years professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Fry played at Loyola. You know, Shane Power played at Iowa State before transferring to Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those were, you know, some of the best players that I had at, at Andran. And then whenever I went to, to, to Frankfurt, I had some very good players. The, the, the best, of course, is the uh, current assistant coach at the University of Evansville, uh, Brandon Crump, um, who, who was an Indiana All-Star and mm-hmm. played at uh, Butler University, started four-year starter for Butler, played for uh, Todd Licklider and Brad Stevens. Um, and then... Um, you know, whenever I got to Andran, I had Stephen Albrecht, who played Division One. Um, 
I had, uh, and then I had his younger brother who um, became almost like a folk hero um, around here, uh, Spike Albrecht, um, who played at the university. He, he, whenever he graduated from here, he had zero Division One offers. He went to prep school for a year, and his one year of prep school, he had two Division One offers, uh, Appalachia State and uh, University of Michigan. And uh, he ended up going to he ended up going to Michigan mm-hmm. and uh, played in the Final Four, and of course had that unbelievable championship game and made the All Tournament team of the Final Four. Was Michigan's MVP his junior year before transferring to Purdue uh-huh. and had a great career. Um, and then um, and then I had another run of talent, another cycle of talent where I had Grant Galon, who was a Indiana All Star and played for a year at Indiana University before transferring out. And, uh, and then I had Sasha Stefanovic, um, who just recently graduated from Purdue, uh, had a great career there, and um, and is looking to play professionally right now. So, you know, and then that's that's not counting the, you know, 20 or 25 other players I've had going to play in college. So, it's it's been it's been a great run. It's been a lot of fun. I've I've, I've certainly had some great kids. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. You've had way more players play at lot, a lot higher levels than the kids that I've had play. But I've always tried to encourage kids, if you can play at the next level, to do that because just like, you know, you had mentioned there you had played at St. Joe, the relationships and the connections that you make, even if you're not going to coach basketball, even if you're not going to do anything that involves basketball, it's the connections that, that you make, you know, um, you know, for example, and I, I don't even pretend to be close to Coach Shrewsbury, but, you know, Micah was a player at Hanover the year before I got there. So then when I'm there as a player working camps in the summer, there there's Micah, you know, and, and getting to know that guy and, and those opportunities to develop those relationships when you do play at the next level are, are just they're, they're second to none. And so I, I, I definitely credit you for – pushing guys to play at the highest level they can play at and, and to play college basketball if they have the opportunity. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that really always sticks out to me is when people that, that don't know coaches like yourself, they'll, they'll say, well, that guy's been blessed because he's had a lot of talent. And, and you have, and, and you've definitely, you know, given credit to your kids here as we've talked. But you have to position yourself. You know, you you have to do a lot of things to get into those positions where you're fortunate enough to be able to coach those kids. And you've already pointed out about how you, you have to be patient uh, in, in getting there. So I want to go back and I want to ask you this question, Coach. You talked about Elliot. He's a sophomore there at Crown Point. What's that like having your son in practice uh, each each and every day? It's got to be special. Um, you know what? It's been great. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a learning experience for both of us. Uh, and it, it's the best part of it, you know, I, I had to miss a lot, yeah. <laughs> you know, with him growing up, you know, in the summers I'm missing baseball games and, you know, during season I'm missing some of his travel ball games and, you know, I'd have to miss some of his middle school games and that was tough. And now I don't miss anything, you know, I'm there, <laughs> I'm there, I'm right there, I'm right there with him every day, you know, I get to see everything, and uh, it's, it's been great, it's, it's, it's just been nice getting to be around him all the time, and, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been tough for him at times, because 
there is a pressure that, you know, all good players will put on themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think whenever you're the coach's son, that gets magnified. Yeah. And, you know, we've done a lot of talking about <laughs> the growth mindset and mm -hmm. just getting better each day and not worrying about labels or what people think and so forth. But instead, you know, just uh, just talking, just, just talking about just getting better each day. And mm -hmm. you know, Elliot made a decision this past year. We 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 have a an outfit up here, a, a, uh, an AAU outfit called GR3. It's sponsored by Glenn Robinson, and we we have a lot of kids in that program. They have a lot of teams, and he had a chance to be on their top team this year. And you know, he just said, "Hey, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna bypass AAU this year, and I'm just gonna." devote myself to getting stronger and being in the gym. Like he came in before school this morning and got a thousand shots up. And uh -huh. that's kind of his focus right now. And he's kind of taking ownership of that, of his, of his own development, you know, independent of me mm -hmm. and seeing him do that has been, has been a lot of fun. No, that's, that's gotta be fun. And like you said, you know, he, he made that decision to kind of, All study um, but you know, coach, we, you know, you were talking about Elliot bypassing AAU and, you know, I think AAU serves its purpose, and I, I think it's really good for kids in some situations, but it's awesome to hear your son talking about taking ownership of his own development and being in the gym and getting stronger in the weight room and, and working on moves that are going to correlate to not only benefit him as an individual player, but things that you need him to do on the court to be better, which hopefully will translate into, you know, him being a better player on the court as an individual and attracting you know, some of these college coaches to look at him. But, you know, that's one of the things that I have noticed maybe over the last 10 or 15 years is, and maybe social media, maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm going out into the uh, great wide open here and, and we'll never come back, but maybe it's a social media generation, but these kids seem to gravitate to AAU and they want to go play AAU on the weekends. And Luke Zeller and I had a really good conversation about this five or six years ago, and he said, you know, some kids, if they're the fifth or sixth best player on an AAU team, he asked me, he said, how many shots do you think that kid gets in a weekend when he goes and plays AAU? And he said, well, you know, he might get two or three a game, and then, you know, if you're there for a weekend, you play four or five games, I said, maybe tops 20 shots. He said, so that kid's going to play all weekend, be gone all weekend. Mom and dad are going to spend hundreds of dollars, travel expenses and all that, and he's going to get 20 shots up. He goes, what about getting in the gym over the weekend and, like you said, getting 1,000 shots up and working on moves and staying home and not spending all that money? And, you know, AAU, I think, is a good thing if it's done the right way. But I think sometimes kids, because they want to be able to post stuff, they want these AAU programs to post about them on social media, they gravitate to that. No, no question. And – my goodness, your conversation that you had with Luke Zeller, I mean, it just kind of it sounds like a, an audio recording of the conversation that Elliot and I had. And Elliot's the one who actually pointed it out to me. Mm -hmm. And he said, Daddy goes, what exactly am I going to get if I, if I go to Louisville, Kentucky, and play four games mm -hmm. in a weekend, and I score maybe 30 points total in those four games? Uh -huh. He said, what am I getting out? He said, what am I getting out of that? Yeah. And I... I couldn't, I couldn't answer that. Uh -huh. You know, I thought that was a, I thought that was a really good point. Now, another conversation that you've had that was with Jason Delaney. Mm -hmm. 
um, oh, yeah. where yeah. he talks about his association with AAU. And I, I really urge all your <laughs> listeners, that if anybody's listening to this and they want to hear about different, the, the, the different, uh, uh, you know, the different ends of the spectrum of AAU, that is a great episode to listen to because, I mean, that's like the highest level of AAU. Absolutely. And that, that does serve a purpose also. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody says it. There, there's good high school basketball, bad high school basketball. There's good AAU and there's bad AAU. But yes. what, and you touched on it also, what, where it gets dicey is this, I call it social capital. There, there's this, you know, the, the kids are playing AAU not necessarily because they love basketball, but because they feel like they need that label of being an AAU basketball player and you know the the, the posting of the videos and uh, the the self promotion mm-hmm. um, that goes on I I saw a tweet last week and man it really kind of hit home it just was a random tweet it said social media has a chokehold on youth basketball now we, we, we could go on and on about how social media has a chokehold on a, on a lot of aspects of life. Absolutely. But, but, but there, you know, I, I do think that a lot of what is happening on social media and, and in AAU does go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And, and just like when you're picking a college to go play, um, it, it's about fit. Mm-hmm. And what kind of a fit are you going to have on your AAU team? And is that going to correspond with your development, with you having, uh, with, with you're having a, a fulfilling high school basketball career? Yeah. And for Elliot, and hey, this is not a knock on GR3. GR3 is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and Elliot's AAU coaches have been awesome over the years. He was with Indiana Elite mm-hmm. two years ago and three years ago. And in this past year, he was with GR3. And, their coaches felt bad. They were like, we felt like we let Elliot down. I'm sorry he didn't have a good experience. I was like, no, 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 no. He, he had an awesome experience. You guys were great. Um, this is just a personal decision about his own individual development. And I think it's paid off. I think it's, you know, it's just one spring so far, but it seems like it has paid dividends. And, um, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, the, the larger picture, I will admit, when I walk into a convention center and there's 80 basketball courts and there's games going on on every court and there's parents coaching in the stands <laughs> and there's kids screaming at referees and there's coaches cussing at kids, yeah. I, I will admit there's times I walk around and I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? No, you make you make some really good points there, Coach. I I love what you said that just like there's good high school basketball and bad high school basketball and good coaches and bad coaches, like it's the same at AAU. And you know, like what Luke is doing with the distinction program down here in Southern Indiana, I think is really good. Um, And and there's a lot of good fits for kids in this area with with Luke's program, just as there are a lot of good fits up in your area with the different programs up there. Um, so you have to be careful in, in not just labeling AAU as this bad thing because there are some good things that it does for kids, especially like you talked about at the level that Coach Delaney's coaching at, which is at the highest level of AAU. 
Um, and then the other thing you pointed out was if you're going to play AAU and you're going to do it, you have to find a really good fit for you. Uh, the, the chemistry on the team, the coaching, and I, I think a great a great example of that is Hagen Nepp, a kid that played for me the last four years. Um, he was blessed to have the opportunity to play at Grand Park uh, for, for Dustin Smith and was able to play with Braden. He started. He had you know good fit. It attracted a lot of interest in him. I, he's going to end up going to Grace and playing for Coach Moore, which I think is a really good fit for him. But, you know, that opened up a lot of doors, but I think the reason why it opened up a lot of doors for him with different things from low major Division One programs all the way through attracting D3 schools, that would have been a good fit for him, was the fact that the team was a good fit for him. And so sometimes I think kids got to be careful when they do that. I, I had a, one of my Division One players from a few that actually played with Spike uh, was a 6'10 post player. He didn't even take up basketball until he was in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And as you might imagine, I mean, we had all kinds of AAU coaches coming out of the woodwork wanting to coach him. Yeah. And the parents were coming to me wanting to know what to do. And I mean, I advised them, but I, I can remember telling them, Hey, listen, I'm not going to tell you who he should play for. This is a parenting decision mm -hmm. because Jared's going to be traveling with these guys. He's going to be staying overnight in hotel rooms with these guys. You know, you need to look into this and just make sure that there's the right type of kid that it's, it's he's going to get along with the kids that the, the the coaches are responsible I mean, this is way above and beyond basketball this is you know it's you, you've got to find the right fit not just basketball wise but socially as well and you know that, that, that's why you know when you and I were in school well, I'm older than you but I know that whenever I was in school you know we we had summer leave and, you know, you, you play two nights a week. It was good basketball. Everybody was playing it. In uh -huh. AAU, like, I can remember going to gyms and watching Calvert Chaney play AAU games. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, hey, Calvert Chaney's playing Damon Bailey this weekend. And, hey, let's, let's go watch it, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, AAU was reserved for, like, the best players. Yeah. And the summer leagues, it was just kind of your time to kind of get better and, and get to play games while you're working on your own game. And what's happened is we've kind of jumped the shark here a little bit because now everybody is playing AAU. Yeah. Everybody's playing AAU and they have their AAU practices throughout the week. They're playing their AAU tournaments on the weekend. And it's like, okay, when are you getting your shots up? When are you working on your ball handling? When are you getting into the weight room? Yeah. And, you know, I know that there's more time in the summer for that kind of stuff, but um, it, it can hijack a lot of time if you're a player who needs to get better from one season to the next. Yep. Now, if you are, you know, a Hagen Nepp or if, you know, you are a, you know, a Sasha Stefanovic or a Spike Albrecht or somebody like that who can, who kind of needs to get out in front of coaches and, and can go play 80 games and, you know, and, and that's actually the best thing for you, then fine, so be it. But it, it is worth noting, the summer before Spike Albrecht's senior year, he opted out of AAU. Mm -hmm. He said, I just, I don't want to play AAU this year. He said, man, I am run down, I'm beat up. Oh. So I, I, 
Spike came up to me the summer before his senior year and said he didn't want to play AAU. And I said, man, are you sure about this, Spike? I said, my goodness, you know, it's, this is an opportunity for you to get get out in front of coaches. He said, no. He goes, I just I need to work on my game and get better. I need to get stronger. And it was the best decision he made because you just saw a real jump in his game from his junior year to his senior year. Yeah. And he went from being, you know, a low level NAIA division three type player to where by the end of that first, but by the end of that last summer for him, you knew he was a division one level player. And I, I, I really attribute that to him just devoting himself to just getting better in the gym on his own. So it's different strokes for different folks, but I, I do think that, I, I, I do think that, that you made a very good connection between the sort of social media era and the AAU era going hand in hand and how a lot of parents and a lot of kids, their, their focuses are kind of, are, are kind of on the wrong things right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of taking over. And I, I, I think in some, I mean, our game is in a good place right now, but in some ways it's heading in the wrong direction and that's not helping. Yeah, exactly. Now, Coach, we're here in the spring. We've got two, three weeks here before the end of the school year. And, uh, you know, we're still in this period where we can, you know, work with our guys twice a week, two hours a, a day. But the summer's coming up. What What is your approach and has your approach changed with summer basketball and what you do with your team in June? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm any different than any other coach. I think we're all trying to figure this out, right? Uh-huh. I mean, you know, it's, it's tough. I, I think you, you go, we will we'll go one summer and we're like, you know, we're just going to get after each other every day. We're going to go play a bunch of games, you know, we're going to, and then, you know, there's other years where it's like, okay, our guys can't dribble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Our guys can't pass. Our guys can't make layups. I, I think maybe we need to work on those things. And, uh-huh. you know, we, we've decided, uh, you know, I there are five things that I have to do extremely well if if I'm going to be the coach at Crown Point and we're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's five things I have to. The, the the first thing is I have to have a program. I have to have a program grades K through 12. Yeah. You know, these guys have to be playing basketball all through elementary. I have to have a relationship with those elementary kids through middle school into high school. The second thing is individual skill development our guys have to get better you know my biggest fear like when Sasha got to be a, a freshman and was playing some varsity was that his senior year people were going to say you know that kid didn't really get any better his, you know during his four years you know so we put a big onus on individual skill development uh strength and conditioning you know I whenever I got the job here our strength coach said you might lose to Merrillville if you're not quick enough, or you might lose to Valpo if you're not tall enough, but we can't lose to anybody if we're not strong enough. And I thought that was a, a great approach. Um, you know, next is, you know, preparation. I, I have to be very good at game preparation. We, we can't just roll out and play. I've got to watch film. we got to do the scouting reports. we got to, we got to do all that stuff. we we got to prepare our kids. And then the last thing is X's and O's, um, you know, just strategy. When I first started as a head coach, I had those five things completely in reverse. I thought the most important thing was X's and O's and set plays and what we're running. You know, I thought the next most important thing was 
uh, watching film and knowing everything that's going on. And the last couple of things was running a program in individual skill development. Yeah. So I, I think that for a lot of coaches, you, you, you have to be careful, really careful, that you don't get away from that individual skill development element because you feel like you've got to go play 40 games. So we spend a lot of our summers, tons of ball handling, tons of shooting, tons of passing and catching. Uh, yeah, we'll work on some of our offensive stuff. We do no defensive stuff. Uh, we spend a lot of time uh, just passing and catching. You know, we go to D1 camp and we go to Charlie Hughes, and that's about it. I, I, I don't want to play a ton of games. Yeah. I just I want to get better. Well, and – and then, like you said, if you do have guys that are out playing AAU, you know, June has been pretty much reserved for high school teams. Uh, but then they're going to be able to get those games in the spring right now. And then they're going to be able to get those games in July. And so those kids that are your high-level kids that are playing AAU, they're playing a lot of games anyway. Exactly. And, you know, that that's where they can get their game. Um, and, you know, it's almost like, I say, what are we doing here? Some of these AAU games, you know, I, we're, you know, we're going into the Charlie U shootout and, you know, we're playing against Warren Central. (laughs) And it's like, it's a close game and we're calling out set plays and these guys are just tearing into each other. And we got better that day, but it's like, my goodness, I got to come back and, you know, four hours now we got to play Ben Davis. Yeah. Or you know what I mean? We got to get up tomorrow morning and play Carmel, you know. And it's it's there's a lot to, of of good to be said for that, but boy oh boy, you uh you you sure have to be you sure better be careful that you don't spend too much time focusing on those games and miss out on the on the individual skill development. Absolutely, you know, Coach. I, the next question I was going to ask you is about, you know, what advice would you give to younger coaches? And you've already kind of hit on a lot of really good ones about making sure that you're going to take a job where you know you can win. And then you, with with that last list of five, the program development, the individual skill development, strength conditioning, preparation X's and O's, and not having that stuff in reverse, I think those are all great pieces of advice for young coaches. But if there was another nugget that you might throw out there to younger coaches, what would that be? Oh, boy. I, you know, one of the things that I – one of the fears I had growing up, I would see these I, – I would see coaches where people would say the game would kind of pass them off um, because they just quit learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you have to constantly be willing – to adjust, you have to be willing to evolve as a coach, not just as a person in your relationships, but you have to be able to evolve with the game. And I've changed a lot. I've changed a lot of things. Now, there's some core principle things you can't change. Mm-hmm. Just a second. Correct. And, you know, I, I, I don't think – I think I heard Jason talk about this also. I, I think coaching clinics are great. You know, I – I find whenever I go to the clinic, I, I spend as much time visiting with guys like you and other former, you know, uh, other coaches of mine that I've faced in the past and so forth as I do trying to, trying to glean something good. But, you know, I, I spend a lot of time trying to get to college practices, 
I've um, developed a relationship with the coaching staff at Bellarmine University. Mm-hmm. And I've spent a lot of time studying their offense. And yeah. That's the kind of stuff I like to get into. So I like, like, like finding something outside the box that, that coaches do and finding ways to incorporate that sort of thing. And I love seeing the, the latest things. I'm, I'm sure like you, you, you know, I, I love sitting and watching a college game. I love watch. I love watching Jay Wright's teams. I, you know, going to going to college practices. And, you know, I I, I I think there's as much or more to be gained from that as there is, you know, going to a clinic and, you know, trying to incorporate something that maybe doesn't fit your. Absolutely. You know, you you talk about Bellerman and their system and what they do, and I've enjoyed you know, getting to know the staff there at Bellarmine and uh, having the opportunity to watch a lot of their games this year. And I had to tease Coach Braden, uh, who was uh, the main coach there that, that recruited Kurt to go down there. I said, you know, everybody talks about how you guys are the, the team that doesn't dribble. And I said, you guys, that, that hits you guys square on on the nail with your system. I said, except for when Dylan Penn is backing people down in the post. You're the team that doesn't dribble, except for when Dylan Penn gets it and he Mark <laughs> and he Mark Jackson's everybody down there in the post. But man, they were a lot of fun to watch this year. And Dylan Penn was a special player and uh, you know, he's gonna use that last year of eligibility at Vermont. Um but yeah, you you're right. You can learn so much by going to college practices and watching college teams play. Um it, it truly is a great opportunity when you get to, you know, go to those places and, and meet those coaches. Um, outside of Bellarmine, where, where's one of your favorite places to go? Oh, um, I've spent a lot of time over the years. I'm actually going to get a refresher here. I've already told them I'm, I'm coming back. I just kind of invite myself to these practices. <laughs> just tell these guys I'm coming. <laughs> I make them tell me no. Um, but I've, I, I've, I'm pretty good buddies with, uh, with Greg Conigle at Indiana Wesleyan. He's one of the best. Um, he's, I mean, not just a great coach, but you come away from, from guys like him and, you know, feel like you've, <laughs> you feel like you've had an injection of goodness. You know what I mean? Just, just He's just a good person and, you know, he just, he's, he's, he's very giving of his time and, you know, always willing to, to share. And, you know, his assistant coach, Jeff Clark, is the same way. And so I've gotten to be great friends with those guys. And we've adopted a lot of, you know, their fearless mantra and, you know, just the idea of just constantly getting better and, and you know, having a, you know, servant leadership and, and all those kinds of things that we've tried to carry into our program. And that guy can really coach. I mean, that guy really knows his stuff. Absolutely. And uh, so, I mean, if you're a young coach and you're wanting to know who to go talk to, I mean, you would not you, – you could do a lot worse than, than going and seeing Coach Donegal and Coach Clark at Indiana Wesleyan. Absolutely. Well, Coach, we, uh, we've been talking for quite a while here this morning, and I really appreciate your time. And, and I could sit here and talk hoops with you all day, um, but I know you've got some things going on there at school today. And – and I've got to get to my first uh, class coming up here in a little bit. So I want to kind of go through this little speed round here with you um, here as we finish up. So you, you touched on Coach Wright, um, but who is your favorite college coach and why? Um, coach Painter at Purdue because he is honest. Absolutely. Um, 
talk about another great guy who gives back to the game. He's he's one of the best. We we had him at the HBCA clinic uh, whenever I was coaching at Springs Valley, and he was a phenomenal presenter. And uh, just a little nugget about him, you know, we pay all those featured coaches. And I'll never forget that night that I handed him that check, and he asked me what the money went to for our coaches clinic, and I told him it went to the scholarship foundation. And he took he took that envelope and he handed it right back to me. He said, "You put that money right back in that scholarship fund." Just a phenomenal guy. Um, your, your favorite team, favorite team to watch, whether it's college team, pro team. You talk about Bellarmine, but who's your favorite team to watch? Well, um, for a few years there, it was uh, Michigan uh, because of Spike, and uh, and then it was Purdue because of Sasha. So I've got to I got to go find a different loyalty now. <laughs> um, we had a we had a kid just commit to Holy Cross uh, up in uh, up in South Bend. Uh, Drew Azia just committed up there, so yeah. I'll be watching a lot of those games. But whenever I'm sitting down and watching a game. Uh, Boy, I've, I've I've always I've always really loved watching the Villanova team and, yes. and how they play. I I'm really interested to see how this goes now with Coach Rex retirement, but um, I I really love watching them and I you know and uh, and then you touched on the others you know Purdue and and Bellarmine as well. Coach, if I'm going to give you tickets to any venue, and, and this can't be basketball related, but to any venue, whether it's an NFL game, uh, Major League Baseball game, tickets to a concert. Where are you going? Who do you want to see? I've always wanted to go, and I don't know why. I've just always wanted to go to Chavez Ravine and watch a Dodgers game. Yeah. I just every time I watch a game on TV there, I just think, man, that just looks like heaven. I would, I'd love to go out there and watch a baseball game. So, are you a big Dodgers fan? I'm really not. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just think that just looks like a great place to sit down and watch a game, you know. Uh-huh. And I've got right, right up the road here. I can go to. To Wrigley or, oh, yeah. or to watch the White Sox. I mean, I, but I've always wanted to go out there. But, uh, but yeah, those are uh, that 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 would be that would be fun to do. So I'm not trying to one up you here, but I've actually been to Chavez Ravine to watch a game in the 2016 National League Championship Series. My wife had a business trip to San Diego, and we had a free night where we didn't she didn't have any dinners or meetings or anything like that. And I told her, I said, you know. I can't remember. It, it was a game Lester pitched out there. Uh, I want to say it was game four. And I told her, I said, game four is on Thursday night. I said, you know, we could go out there and watch that Cubs-Dodgers game. And she just looked at me and she said, y- you get the tickets. We'll, we'll drive the rental up there. And so we made that four-hour drive from San Diego to L.A. And you talk about being worth it. We sat out there in the bleachers in left field. And it was an amazing atmosphere. And uh, it was just a, an amazing game. So if you ever get the opportunity to go to Dodger Stadium, do it. It's more than worth it. Um, next question. You're, hold oh. on, hold on. You're you're hilarious. So you go out there for a business trip with your wife. And you have a free night, and you <laughs> instead of going to a nice restaurant where you 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 haul her four hours to watch a baseball game. I love it. Hey, but <laughs> she's as big a Cubs fan as I am, so it was great. It was great. <laughs> well, good, good. But uh, no, hey. Next question, you talk about being, you know, a lifelong learner and, and soaking up things from really good coaches. What's a good coaching uh, book or just a motivational, inspirational book that you've read recently that you would recommend to coaches? Uh, I just reread uh, Carol Dweck's book, uh, uh, Mindset. Uh, uh, it's, it's a book that I read about five years ago when uh, actually uh, Coach Tonigal is the one who, 
uh, turned me on to it, and uh, I read it, and uh, it, uh, it it really created a lot of shifts in my thinking and made, made me a better better parent, better husband, better better teacher, and better coach. And uh, I just reread it again, and I I, I highly recommend it to anyone. I'm going to have to check that one out. All right, last question. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, get you in trouble with anybody up there at Crown Point, but it's date night. You're taking Kim out to eat in Crown Point. Where are you guys going? Oh, man. See, gosh, man, that makes it tough because we're right by the city up here. Okay. So we got we got oven grinders up here in the, you know, that we like to go to. Uh-huh. There's classic pizza. Uh tons of pizza places around here. we got a great sports bar up here called Station 21 that okay. is a favorite. Last night, we ate at this. Uh, Elliot got inducted into the National Honor Society last night, so we took him to Prime, a really good really good place. They got great crab cakes. So oh probably probably Station 21. That's kind of our go-to. Station 21. So it's kind of a sports bar type thing, you said? Yeah, it's great, man. Okay. You would love it. It's if like I'm- two stories. Great food, TVs everywhere. It's it's a great place. If I am ever in Crown Point, Indiana, I'm gonna have to check out Station 21. We just came back from the class trip, and one of my favorite places down south to go to is Walk-Ons. I don't know. Have you ever been to a Walk-Ons? Anytime you've been? Yes, there? yes, I have. I have been there. Love that. I love John Gordon. I love listening to his podcast, and he had the guy that founded Walk-Ons on his podcast, and so. You know, when we went on a trip down south, I told my wife, I said, we've got to find a walk-ons and go to. Well, when we went on the senior trip last week, right across from our hotel was a walk-ons. And I told I told our senior boys about this, and they came back, and they're like, Coach, we've had a lot of people make recommendations to us on restaurants on this trip. But they said, you hit a home run with recommending walk-ons. So Station 21 and Crown Point, I'm going to have to check it out. Well, Coach, again, thank you so much. Uh, for being on with us this morning. I know you've given us a ton of material that the kids are going to love going through and getting this uploaded and, and out for everybody to listen to. Um, best of luck to you and your team this summer, uh, working on all that stuff and getting better, and I can't wait to hopefully see you up there at D1 again this year. Hey, man, listen, I, uh, I've known you since you were an assistant coach and for Coach Brett, and I've watched you come up through the ranks and – what you've accomplished and the way you worked your way up. And now you're at a great place doing great things and not just being successful in terms of wins and losses and the state championship and so forth, but uh, the way you're giving back to the game and helping young coaches and helping kids. Uh, you're what's right about this sport and uh, continued success to you as well. I really appreciate you having me on. Really appreciate that, man. Um, thanks a lot for being on with us as coach and, uh, and, uh, Best best regards to you and and to Elliot and and uh, I'm gonna be watching him and watching that that evolution uh, that's coming from being in the gym and and getting better each and every day. So, Coach, uh, thanks for being on and uh, we'll talk to you later. Appreciate you. Thanks, man. Thanks.